0: right, we got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that! You don't got time for that! right, let's go! Crank it! Crank it, Glenn Cross!
1: Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're
2: doing and listen.
0: You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports
1: Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and
0: 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I have gravel in my throat. (laughs) I, uh, I spent all last night screaming at... KU on the TV, like why are you not defending? No, I, I I'm just continually losing my voice. So, you're somebody have to carry it today. somebody
3: message Derek and give him a remedy for mm. not being able to speak.
0: Something. Somebody's gonna message me and be like, just shut up for two days. Just you know, <laughs> we don't need you to talk for every second. You
3: no, know it's wild. I've never lost my voice.
0: Ever. Ever. I came close one time, but I've I've, I've never lost it. I'm good for losing it like once a year. Never lose it. Yeah, well, which is sucks. wild because I yell a lot. Yeah, maybe you've conditioned yourself. You know, I just yell so much. It's like it's, just, like, it's like, 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 like marathon runners being like, oh, I never pull a quad because they they just they condition they themselves. They do it all the time. Maybe so they when, do. if you just yell enough, you just yeah. you're just good. Yeah. So I need to yell more. <laughs> to train myself. Train it. Uh, four NFL teams, two conference championship games, and only a few more shots to win big with the playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl Fifty Seven, new customers can bet just five dollars and get two hundred in free bets instantly. Not a new customer? You can feel the conference championship thrills with stepped up same game parlays. Take your shot at an even bigger NFL payout and boost your winnings with each leg you add up to one hundred percent. The line for the Chiefs Bengals game continues to move toward the Chiefs. It is now Towards Kansas City plus two and a half. Okay, did you see? Are you getting the worried at guy- all when you see how much this is moving? That maybe Patrick Holmes can't play.
3: So I'm con- wait okay. So you say it's moving more towards the Chiefs? Yeah, like they're the getting more points. Okay, okay. I was confused when you say when you said more towards. I was like, wait, it's like moving in favor of the. Chiefs? Yeah, more people are betting on the Bengals. Okay, basically. okay. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that makes sense. So it's plus well, two and a half. Did you see uh, the tweet on Twitter of the guy that was like, my cousin's third best friend works at this works out at the same gym that Patrick Mahomes <laughs> does, and he wasn't wearing a boot. He isn't. Oh he was gosh. moving just fine.
0: I don't. I don't believe that for a second because why is Patrick Mahomes working out at some random public gym?
3: I I I don't know. Well, is I think he not it's going a, to the team facility. I think it's a private gym.
0: Well, I think it's like his private I trainer. Or I, don't I don't know. I don't know. But I will say this. So there was a comment from Andy Reid uh, on Monday at his press conference. He said this one isn't as bad as the one he suffered in the season opener against Jacksonville in 2019. Okay. He played the next week. I went back and I was like, I wonder how he did that week. It was against the Raiders. It was against the Raiders because I watched some film
3: of that. And dude, what a whirlwind experience it was to see the baseball field.
0: Mm. Like so now we the dome. Like, teams played on that stuff. Yeah, we're going to have to explain that to for future a long generations. Time. But these are these are Mahomes' final numbers in that game. 30 of 44, 443 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. I I Is he better with the sprained ankle? I think he'll be fine, actually. <laughs> I think he will be fine. All right. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use code KLWN. New customers can bet just $5 on the conference championship and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code KLWN. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Bonus issued as is free bets. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. 10 plus leg required for 100% boost. Deposit, parlay, and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com. Slash football terms on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and start. KU falls to Baylor last night, 75 to 69. Pain. I I don't understand how they continue Ugh. to start games so poorly. And we'll play the Bill Self Audio yeah. later in the show, but something you talked about was that it takes like double the energy to try to come from behind. And this is like every game now, Kansas keeps getting from behind. And, you know, in, in some other games they've been able to overcome it and, and come out with victories, but you would just think you're having like a showing against TCU, that you'd be more amped up and ready to go, and and you get it, like Baylor's going to hit some shots early in the game. They're amped up with their crowd, but the amount of yep. like offensive rebounds or dumb turnovers or just defensive lapses, like those things cannot continue to happen early in games if KU wants to win. Yeah, it was it was not a good start, and I had
3: mentioned yesterday that I thought that we'd be able to tell pretty quickly in the game if Kansas had the energy for it, and they struggled early, right? And they made a couple. Pushes here and there in the second half that we'll get to, but yeah, it just—I I don't know—they just—they just didn't have that final gear that they needed to get to in order to actually come back and eclipse Baylor and, and actually try to win the game. So yeah, it, it's frustrating. It, it's very frustrating. And and the concern I have is this is this could this could be something that just compounds and continues to get worse because, like, look at a guy like Jalen Wilson. This dude's playing 35 plus minutes a night and he's on fire right now, but. How long can he? I mean, is it realistic to, to think that he can play at this level for the next two months? No. Probably not, right? Like at some point, he's probably going to regress back to and okay. When I say regress, I mean instead of scoring twenty five, he's going to start scoring fifteen or sixteen, right? But for Kansas, that's a huge. I mean, that's huge. That's huge because right now it's not really anybody else. I mean, at least we. At least it was nice to see that Grady was able to get out of a slump, but. Yeah, you'd like to see a better start from Kansas and just eight, just one game, just start a little bit better, mm-hmm. you know. And I mean, and you look at the TCU game. The TCU game, Kansas actually started shooting eighty percent. The problem is TCU started shooting a hundred percent because there was no defense. And then Kansas cooled off a little bit, and TCU just ran away with it. So, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what needs to, like. This is one of those things where it's like, what do you do to solve that? Like you're not like you're not gonna switch up the starting lineup with no. what you're getting from the bench. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's the same five guys. That's it's the, the same It's the same thing. Like I don't know what needs to change. Just, yeah, does Bill just need to get better at giving pregame locker room speeches? No, I mean, <laughs> I think
0: like it's, what? It, it's just kind of on the players, honestly. I mean, just gotta start better. I, I don't know what else to say. I think um, Self also said like in in some of his opening comments. He didn't think they did a good enough job on the scouting report and defensively early in the game. And As the game went on, they did better with it. It just tells you right there. Like, they weren't paying attention enough to the scouting report. They didn't put it into the game, and that's what happens. So they come back. They have it at, I think, seven points at half, which felt pretty lucky to be down that much or, yep. or that little, I guess. Yeah. Second half comes in. You get up a point, and it did not last long at all. Then they go on a run. We got an absolute ref show in the second half. <laughs> Um, it was like eleven to three, eleven to two in fouls on Baylor, and, uh, yeah. and I'm not a proponent to begin with. Like the fouls don't have to be even. There are certain teams, like with the Bob Huggins press Virginia teams, those teams should be called for more fouls because they foul you more often, right? But for a game that like Baylor's taking a ton of jump shots, you don't expect the foul discrepancy to be that much. Then you get the technical on Bill Self, which. I don't know, usually Bill's off technicals make a lot of sense, or they are like to start a run. That was one of the few times that it didn't. I don't think yeah. he meant to get it. Yeah,
3: Yeah. the rally situation is, and I think this is what's going to be frustrating, certainly for this team and for Bill looking back, is this was a very, very winnable game. Baylor did not play that great, particularly in the second half. They, Baylor shot 28% of the second half, but they won off offensive rebounds, which is something we highlighted ye- on yesterday's show during our preview was this is one of the better rebu- offensive rebounding teams in the country, and they've been the best in the Big 12. And they had 17 offensive rebounds against Oklahoma, 17 more offensive rebounds against Kansas. Kansas could not box out. And I've mentioned in the preview, if Kansas could make Baylor go one and done offensively, that was going to be their best chance, their best avenue to try to win the game. That didn't happen. And for Baylor, yeah, they shot really poorly. They actually shot 10% worse than Kansas for the game. But when you get a billion offensive rebounds, that can that can erase that margin. And that's basically exactly what happened. Was the offense rebounding issues, and that's that's really frustrating. That's really really frustrating. And for Kansas, I think there was two. I think there was two sequences in the second half that left me head, scratching my head a little bit or a bit puzzled. The first was what you alluded to with the Bill Self technical. You're down sixty-two to fifty-five at that point with nine minutes left in the game, and Kansas has the ball on offense, and it feels like they are starting to, to climb back into the game. Bill Self gets that technical. While Kansas has the ball on offense, Baylor immediately scores six straight points, and it's 68-55. Okay? That was with, like, nine minutes left. By the way, Baylor in the second half had multiple stretches where they didn't score
0: for three, four, five minutes. And this is one of them. Yeah, the defense struggled in the first half. They were actually pretty good in the second half, minus what you said, the 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 rebounds.
3: So, with nine minutes left, that's when the tech happens. Baylor eventually extends the lead to 68-55 with, like, seven, eight minutes left. Well, then, for the next four minutes, Baylor doesn't score. And Kansas... Managed just to climb back a little bit again, so now fast forward, three minutes left in the game, 68-61. Adam Flagler takes a fadeaway jump shot over Joe Yesfu and misses. Dewan Harris eventually gets the ball and just randomly just throws it ahead into triple coverage against Joe. It gets intercepted and it's in an instant dunk at the other end for Baylor. That to me felt like the moment where the wind was sucked out of Kansas' sails, where they just tried to they just tried to press ahead too quickly. DeJuan did. And that, to me, was the moment where I was like, okay, that was probably their best chance and it's maybe done at that point because the huge dunk fired up the crowd. It put the lead back to nine with under three minutes left. At that moment, it was like, man, you know, you would have loved to have seen a chance to run some actual offense in that situation to continue to cut into the lead at that point. And Kansas, to their their credit, they did still, they were able to kind of battle back even after that, but to me that was the moment that the game was teetering and then was ultimately lost by Kansas was in that sequence was KU had held Baylor scoreless for three or four minutes at that point. They get the stop and they just try a quick pass ahead, gets intercepted, instant dunk, boom, momentum switches crowds back into it. And you're pretty much sunk at that point. And that ultimately is what happened. Kansas ultimately lost the game.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it's crazy because when you add in the offensive rebounds, and KU had turnover problems too. They had 15 of them. Um, they only forced nine for Baylor, which I don't know what the heck happened to that. Like, KU was a good team at forcing turnovers early in the year. That's completely disappeared. Yeah, um, I mean,
3: I, de- I definitely didn't expect Kansas to force a lot of Baylor turnovers because, listen, this is what Baylor does. They dribble around with their guards, and they take jump shots or they drive in the lane. And when you're not passing – that kind of, in some aspects, neutralizes guys like Grady Dick and Kevin McCuller who have been getting turnovers usually by reaching in and knocking passes away, right? So I didn't, I definitely didn't expect to see a ton of turnovers forced by Kansas in this game, but you're right, that, hit, that has been a trend for Kansas that they have been forcing less. And, but, and Baylor has been a team that has been one of the better in the Big 12 at not turning the ball over. So I definitely wasn't anticipating Kansas to
0: force a lot of turnovers in this game, but yeah, that, that's still a trend that you don't like to see. Yeah, and you know, at the end of the day, you hold Baylor at a 40. Like, first half defensively, it was a mess. Guys were messing up, not knowing where to go. Um, guys were getting wide open. They were getting open looks. Second half, you did buckle down. They, they end up for the game 44% on two-point shots, 30% on three-point shots. You would have gladly taken that going in. But this is how impactful the lack of turnovers, and the high amount of offensive rebounds they got. Despite the fact that you held them to those percentages, which would be very good, especially against an offense coming in that was number two in the country, Baylor put up the second most points per 100 possession of any offense opposing the KU defense. That's how impactful the lack of turnovers forced and the offensive rebounds for Baylor were.
3: Well, and again, when you allow offensive rebounds like that, what what does that do? It's just a it's just a sap on your energy. It just drains you. It drains you when you when you have to play twenty to twenty five seconds of defense and then do it again and then do it again at the rim. Like it, it's just it's just tough. And Kansas had trouble at, at the very very beginning of the season. If you flash all the way back to like Duke first game of the season or first couple of games of the season, they kind of struggled with rebounding a little bit. And then it, they sort of figured it out, and it hadn't really been that much of an issue, but now it's kind of popping up again. And I think it, you can all circle it back to this, this topic of energy where, again, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but everybody we talked to says, hey, the difference when this team's playing well versus when they're struggling is, is energy. And giving up offensive rebounds, that's a sap on your energy. That's a more energy devoted to playing defense that you could be using in other areas if you if you're able to just keep them one and done. So, it's 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 frustrating. And again, yeah. I think I think what's going to be most frustrating about this is if Kansas ends up coming, you know, a game or two off of a Big 12 title this season, I think this game against Baylor is going to be one you're going to look back on and say, "Man, they really could have won that game." Baylor shot 28% in the second half. Their offense in the second half basically became get one of their guards switch on to KJ and shoot a jumper. Or drive and get fouled. I mean, that was their offense. They weren't, the offense for Baylor was, they weren't doing anything in the second half. And so I I just think, I think that's what's going to be frustrating is I think if you look back and Kansas finishes 12 and 6, 11 and 7 in a Big 12 play, you know, like I said, a game or two off of a Big 12 title, I think this is going to be a game. I think this game uh, plus the K State game in Manhattan are going to be two games they're going to look back on and say, ooh, I mean, man, if you could just win one of those. Just one. Maybe you you win the Big 12 title.
0: Yeah, and I think um, a lot of the the struggles last night are kind of an indictment on the idea that this team hasn't been able to get anything from not just the bench, but from the young players in general that you thought could have a bigger role once we got to this point in the year. Think about it from the center position. KU has a billion four-star and five-star centers (laughs) who are supposed to be good and, and come in and make an impact. You're stuck with KJ Adams playing a ton of minutes. And really no center you can trust behind it. And like K.J. Adams is as good as he is in different ways. He struggled the last two games. The one thing he's not known for is his defensive rebounding. And after last night, his defensive rebounding rate is 7.6%. You might be saying, what the heck does that mean? Devontae Graham from the 2016-17 season. His defensive rebounding rate was 7.9. <laughs> so like that, that's not sustainable. And ideally... You would have been like, well, we're, we're going to be able to, you know, play one of our freshman centers I, by this point in time, 10, 15, 20 minutes a game, and it's going to help there. Or in a game like this, we can play more minutes because they're going to be ready by now. But they they haven't. And the bench continues to search for answers. We're seeing all sorts of different lineups. Like nothing is settled. We're seeing MJ Rice at points. We're seeing Ernest today. Other games, it's Zuby. Other games, it's Clements. Other games, it's Cam Martin. Some games, it's more Joe. Some games, it's more Bobby. There's no idea what to do at the bench because they haven't proven anything. And that's a problem. And you're not getting anything from that bench. And then, once again, like, it, it just it makes the problem even worse because if any of your starters don't step up, now there's nobody off the bench to come in because, you know, Kevin, I thought Kevin actually had a sneaky good game, uh, 14 points. When you look at just the box score, yes. Sure, but if I told you Kevin led the team in offensive rebounds, defensive rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks, and he had 14 points on nine shots, you would have taken that coming into the game, right? You probably would have expected to win. Yeah, exactly. Now, that that one really bad stretch he had was, was, was really the, noticeable really and bad, really bad. right? Yeah. He gets two shots blocked, misses a layup, misses back-to-back wide open threes in the corner. That yep. was bad. But overall, I thought he had a good game. But Dewan, like, I don't know what's up with him, man. He... You just hope he's yes, okay. Something's not right with Dewan. Yeah. I don't it, know if it's injury
3: related or. Because that's but, not a
0: guy that you expect to go through highs and lows. He's not somebody who is so dependent on, hey, am I going to make all my threes tonight? Or sometimes they're just not going to fall. That's not him. So I don't yeah, know I mean, what's going I mean, on there. Dewan
3: has been the definition of consistent. He's the definition of Mr. guy you can always turn to and rely on, especially in a road environment. Yeah. And yeah, something has just been not quite right. Like
0: a couple of those turnovers, the one you talked about, the pass to Joe that kind of took the air out of the sales. How about the first play of the game? He drives yeah. in, he has a wide open layup, and he tries to pass it, It gets turned over. Those are plays that we don't see him make, so I don't know what's going on there. KJ the past two games has struggled after he was so good for like a 10-game stretch. This, this I think this game might have been one of KJ's
3: worst of the season if not the worst. I mean, you could probably maybe go back to early in the year when he was still trying to figure out his role and maybe find a game where stats-wise, he was it, it was not good, but this might have been one of his worst games of the season. I mean, 28 minutes and he just looked disengaged. He yeah. just looked not even really involved in what was going on, especially it, on offense.
0: It's interesting because it was still kind of a closest loss, but like there were oh, yeah. so like many I,
3: like I said, I this this was a I I I tell you, I'm telling you. This is a game that you're going to look back on and say, "Wow, that was very very winnable. Like very winnable."
0: But like what's weird about it is you have a close closest-ish loss close-ish loss on the road against a really good opponent who got hot in the first half. And, you know, normally it's just like, okay, well, that sucks and you need to do better here and there. But, like, there's not a ton of negative takeaways. Maybe this is more of just the piling on after you've lost three straight. But, like, that game was everything. By the way, the over-under for Oscar Sheboy on Saturday rebounds just came out. It's 14-and-a-half. I'm pounding the over. Anyway, um, you look at, at, uh, you know, the game and, and everything that went wrong for Kansas, it was such a perfect, I guess, metaphor for things this team has done wrong this year. The bench not getting going. Some of your other starters not stepping up. Defense at times struggling. Offense going through a long drought. I mean, there were some positives. Like, Jalen was great again. Grady yeah. was great again. You were good at the free throw line, but...
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean, 100% from the free throw line in the game. 16 for 16. That That's a big plus. Grady seems to have recovered from his little brief dip that he had in production in terms of his three point shooting and everything, so that's a positive. But I mean, man, yesterday we talked about it before before the game about how we felt like it was a given that you need somebody else besides Jalen to step up. Well, you kinda got that with Grady and it still wasn't enough, right? So it's like okay, now it's you have Jalen and Grady, but you kind of need a third guy to step up. And again, when you look at Kevin on when you look at Kevin's box score, it's like, okay, he did have a pretty good game, but in those critical moments is where he wasn't hitting shots, which is interesting because earlier in Big 12 play, it was kind of the inverse for for Kevin, where on the box score after the game, you'd say, oh, you know what? Not that impressive. Seven points on two of seven or whatever. But in the game, Texas Tech, it's a big three. Oklahoma State, it's a big three. He He was still hitting. He was still making critical plays for Kansas in those games. And this game was kind of the opposite where – he in critical moments really struggled and didn't and was unable to come through with the big shot. So that, yeah that's that's concerning but I, I think for Kansas there's good news and bad news here. The good news is you're still only a game back assuming Iowa State beats K State tonight so you're still in pretty good shape there. The bad news is your next three games are K State at Iowa State and Texas. three top 15 opponents, three top 12 opponents. K State's five, Iowa State is eleven, I think, and Texas is ten or Iowa State's twelve. So three top twelve opponents, and two of them are on the road or no, one of them's on the road. You got K State at home, Iowa State on the road, and then Texas at home. I mean, you got to go two and one at least, at least two and one. Yeah, if if you're not even be, that may not even be good enough, you might have to go three and zero.
0: Yeah, because I mean, we've seen other Bill Self teams lose three straight. Doesn't happen a ton, but. Um, it's not over. Like, yeah, it's definitely... Baylor it's, lost it's, three straight to start, and now they're yeah, in the same thing.
3: Right? Baylor, Baylor was 0-3, and now they are, what, fourth in the conference now? Yeah, so... so you can easily survive this. You gotta go on a run, but obviously, said than done. Obviously, project- a lot of sites, like Ken Palm, for instance, still projects that most of these teams are gonna end up in the 12-6, 11-7, 10-8 range. So you're still, you're still in good shape, really, from that standpoint. But... Definitely in these next in these next three games in conference, K State, Iowa State, and Texas. I think you, you pretty much have to go two and one, and you pretty much have to make sure that one of your wins is K State. Like even if even if you, if you go two and one, but you lose at home to K State, and then you beat Iowa State and beat Texas, you're still probably not going to feel super great. So you really need to beat K State, really. You really need Iowa State to beat K State tonight. And this Kentucky game coming up on Saturday, I'm just going to be honest, I just don't care. I just literally don't care. It's irrelevant to me.
0: Yeah. I don't care. It's like, well, I, don't, I mean, I the, care the it's only, a chance to write the ship a little bit, but the
3: only aspect in which I care is like, well, no, I take that back. I literally there's no there's no circumstance where I care. I just don't. It's on the road, so I don't care about I don't I just don't care. I don't care. Now, <laughs> I hope the team cares. <laughs> but from a fan perspective,
0: I, I, it's whatever. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Matt Tate will join us in less than 15 minutes. This is RCST. Matt Tate's going to join the show in less than 10 minutes. This is RCST with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Rock Chalk Pickahawk from last night. I told you I felt a run coming. I've won three or four in a row. I should have. I should to, have picked Kevin McCuller. You should have 96 to 60 the score. Yeah, Kevin McCuller had more points than anyone. He had 45. Your team had 60. Well. Listen, you don't need to rub it in. I know my team's not very good. <laughs> Joe actually got you as many points as my first round pick. Joe got more than DeJuan. Yeah, should just start picking Joe. Yeah, KJ only got me nine. DeJuan got you six. Joe got you nine. Neither of our Baylor players went off. LJ LJ Crier was the one. Yeah, Crier was the one who had a good game. Yeah, George and Flagler had thirteen and twelve respectively. Crier had nineteen in the first half, I think. Mm-hmm. And then Wilson had thirty two. Dick had thirty. The, yeah, it was just Kevin McCuller. Like that's all that carried it. He had forty five points. Man. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Could have been. That's tough.
3: That's so just, now it, I'm down ten to seven.
0: Yeah. So you gotta go on a run again. But I
3: started up like 5-0,
0: no, 5-1, something like that. I won like and, six in a row point. Yeah.
3: So I'm not I listen. I'm not concerned in the slightest. What do we get for winning this, by the way, at the end of the season?
0: Mm. The loser has to live tweet a Royals okay. game, but they can't they can't they have to just all they have to do is tweet Ball or strike on every pitch, every single pitch. And if you miss one pitch, you have to do it again the next game.
3: Okay, well, here's what I don't understand with you: Why is every competition? It's always the loser has to do something really terrible. Why can't the person who wins ever get a like a, some kind of fun, happy prize? Well, where is
0: the Where is the happy prize coming from? I, I don't know. That's I mean, dude. You're, it's your job to figure that stuff out. But if I if I buy the prize myself and then I win, it's like I'm. I'm not winning anything. I just bought okay, it. Okay, well myself. then we'll
3: have somebody, or we'll—I don't know—we'll think of something else. <laughs> okay, I'm just saying, like every every time we do have this discussion, it's oh well, the loser's going to do something really. Oh, well, the loser's going to do this. Thing. Like, why can't the winner get something fun?
0: I think it's more fun for the the listeners if one of us suffers. <laughs> I think they enjoy the, the struggle.
3: You <laughs> could be wrong. Okay, that's fine. I mean, if we're doing it for content, I, I understand. Yeah. All right, winner fine. gets a day
0: off. I don't know. No, I don't want to. I'm not off. the one who picks that anyway. It's a, it's somebody. At the station, well, okay, but... I shouldn't say that.
3: I I do want a day off. Yeah. I don't want. I, I, yeah, I shouldn't say that. I don't want a day off. Mm-hmm. I would take a day off. Yeah. But I but I enjoy the show, so I yeah, don't I want know. to have a day off from the show.
0: Wait till we get in the summer. Nothing going on, and <laughs> you're gonna want that day. All right, he's
3: Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. <laughs> the Royals lose seven to one for the eighth time in a row. <laughs> yeah,
0: Matt Tate, Lawrence General World joins us next. This is RCST. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I am a voice-losing version of Derek Johnson. Joined now by Matt Tate of Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com. Matt, thanks for coming on the show today. Um, KU's lost three straight games. What do you view to be the largest issue plaguing Kansas right now? And how fixable are some of those issues?
1: Man, you're gonna love having me on because I talk a lot. So you'll get a little. <laughs> the f- more the <laughs> merrier. <laughs> <laughs> um, gosh, it's such a it's such a hard question to answer because I'm not I'm not really sure anyone can totally pinpoint it. You know, I would have said maybe before yesterday that that hey, Jalen Wilson needs some help. He can't be the only scorer, and and last night he wasn't. Um, it was obviously a, a good night for Grady Dick, and they didn't win the game. Um, I do think they're fatigued. Uh, I think those starters are playing, not only playing big minutes, but, but also the expectations and, and the, you know, so to speak, carrying the torch that is Kansas basketball, that that thing can get heavy. And, uh, I, I, I think these guys love it. And, uh, really, you know, when you, when you look at Grady being a lifelong KU fan and, Jalen and DeWan starting on last year's team and haven't been around the program for a while. And Kevin McCullough thinking, this is the next big step for me. And he knows what Kansas is about. And, and of course, K.J. Adams being, a, a you know, as much of a veteran as a sophomore can be, you, you know, those guys understand it. this isn't new territory for them. Um, but having said that, it's it's, it's a heavy burden to be the hunted, to be a Kansas player. And, and, uh, I think that the minutes are, are wearing them out, but I think that mental part of it is wearing them out too. So, um, you know, that, that would probably be the the number one answer for me. I I just think they're worn out. And, um, you know, if, if you're looking at more of an X's and O's type of answer, then it's certainly pretty obvious that it's the way they open games. Uh, they just keep, you know, digging into these ridiculous holes that, that, you know, aren't, aren't necessarily devastating, but they just make the whole game really hard from there on out. And they add to that exhaustion and, and, and how just completely wiped out they are. So, um, you know, they've got to fix that. They've, they've got to figure it out. And and they know that, and it's easy to say that, uh, but it's a lot harder to do that. I, I, you know, because it's not just something that's up to them, right? Like, they would have loved to start hot last night on the road and get a, get a nice burst going early on and 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 uh, you know feel like hey we're go- we're going to kind of dictate this game but but so would Baylor you know and and so there's another team out there trying to do the same thing or at least prevent you from doing that very thing so it's really hard for for them to to you know, just snap their fingers and fix that. So um, you can look at energy, but I, you know, I don't know that that's really a problem. I mean, I think these guys are up for games. I think they, they look forward to competing. I think they like the challenge. I think they, they understand um, that they're going to take everybody's best shot every night. That's, that's nothing new to any of these guys, you know? And so it's, there's just something sort of mysterious about, the way they've started these first few games and, and, uh, or I'm sorry, these last few games and, and, uh, those holes that they've dug themselves in. So it's, uh, it's something they've got to get figured out in a hurry because obviously with, with Kentucky looming and K state next week, and the schedule continuing to be tough after that, it's not getting any easier anytime soon. And, um, I don't, I don't care if it's uh, you know, fifteen to six or ten to two or, or whatever it is, it's really hard to see them starting out games like that and continuing to, to, to have that problem and and having them then go on and win any of those games because they're just playing uphill and and that makes what's already something very difficult for this team even harder. So I, I think if there was a magic formula to figure out how to do that, I, I think they would sell out for that and pay a lot of NIL money to figure it out. But um, I don't know that there is. I think it's just... Probably as much as anything, something they got to work through and, and see if they can kind of figure it out in real time and just, uh, you know, continue to continue to compete and battle and, and, and do what they can and see what works.
3: Yeah, a couple of weeks ago when you came on the show, you, you mentioned that you thought the biggest difference between when they were playing well versus when they were struggling was that idea of energy of the energy of the team. And the reality the situation is there's probably not going to be a change in the starting lineup. I mean, I don't know who you could argue to come in as a starter instead of what you've got going right now. So that's going to stay the same. So I guess how do you recapture that? I mean, how do you kind of recapture, that, especially early in a game, that energy level to, to that you can carry through the rest of the game?
1: Yeah, good question. And, you know, Jalen talked a little bit about that last night uh, after that loss. And, uh, you know, he, he used the word focus. Um, And and I I think that probably correlates a little to what Self was talking about after the TCU game, which was, you know, how scouting reports a a problem for some of these guys. Um, But, you know, look, you know, it's not a problem for Jalen Wilson. You know, it's not a problem for Grady Dick. You know, it's not a problem for, for DeJuan Harris. You know, it's not a problem for KJ Adams. I mean, uh, I guess I'm making some assumptions there, but I'd be really surprised if any of those guys that I mentioned are, are the issue when it comes to not fully committing and buying into the scouting report. So uh, as much as, Focus is the word Jalen's using and, 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 and self talking about the scouting report. I mean, um, you know, they know far better than any of us, obviously, because they're living it every day. But, um, I, it's hard for me to believe that the focus is that far off that, that these guys are just not showing up. Uh, and, and when Jalen talked about the focus angle, he, you know, he basically said, you know, our preparation for tip off. And, and so, Um, it, 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 it's, it's hard to imagine that, that starters at KU, the defending national champs, um, are, are not ready to go when the ball's thrown up. I I just, I just can't really imagine that. But, um, the, the start of these games is certainly indicating that that may be the case. So, um, I I think it comes back to just mental preparation, mental edge, mental toughness, um, and and just the idea of, you know, let's let's lock in and, and that, that addresses focus that addresses the scouting report thing. And that may address the energy thing, but um, it, it, you know, none of it's automatic. And and so I, I, I do think that this team has shown that and, you know, look, even in last night's game, I mean, when, when they took the lead, um, and all albeit briefly for fifty two seconds in that game. Um, you know, that stretch was they played really good basketball in that stretch. And and what what did you see in that stretch that, that was was pretty obvious as to why they were having success and, and kinda of made that run to to, you know, erase the seven point halftime deficit and get get up one. I think it was uh they moved the ball, I think they they played with purpose, they were crisp. Um they were you know in attack mode and I think that was everybody from Dewan Harris the one play he made last night where he looked good was he got to the rim during that stretch and he looked explosive. And uh, another play where during that same stretch, which led to the shot that got them the lead was they finally got that action with KJ Adams in the short roll into the lane and got him the ball. He moved it underneath to McCuller. McCullough kicked it to Wilson wide open, knock it down. I mean, that's Kansas basketball. That's what they were doing in their, in their you know, 15 and one start or 16 and one, whatever they were. Um so you, you know you haven't seen that as much lately, and I think part of the reason for that goes to um, their their opponents. I mean, th- these teams are good, and they've been taking that stuff away. Um, but whatever the case is, you know it, it's still there. You can see it. You can see it even in that game last night. And so they just need to tap into that more. They need to uh, you know kind of remind themselves of, of what works and, and and what what's successful and and how can they play to that and get that? You know, doesn't mean you're always going to get that, that that action with KJ. Obviously, they were hitting that a lot, very early and, and you know, often. But uh, teams have taken that away now. So now it's time for Kansas and, and the coaches and everybody to, to sort of counter and adjust to that and see what they can do with it, which is where KJ, you know, his skill set becomes – a little bit more of a problem right they found something that they could use him in that really worked and made him a freaking star for a few weeks i mean he was unstoppable and and big 12 player of the week and looked amazing confident all of that you know and then teams have taken it away and now he looks Kind of, kind of lost out there again. You know, he doesn't look confident at all. He doesn't look like he has much of an offensive game, really. And and so, um, self said it after the TCU game that it all starts within, and and he he acknowledged himself and and his coaches, and that that, that they've got to look within and and try to figure out how to how to get through this thing too so it, it's not just a player thing and it's not just a lack of focus or a laziness issue or anything like that i mean i think it's it's a grind and they've all got to crank it up and grind it out and see what they can figure out and some things are going to work some things aren't but um you know it, it's very clear to me uh after tcu after last night after talking to these guys too it's it's very clear to me that that they are doing their best to remain calm and just saying hey we just got to keep keep after it. We got to stick with it. We got to keep battling and competing and preparing and, and and go give it our best every game. And and that's good. You you don't want to see them freaking out. I'm sure they're not happy. I'm sure they're a little bit shell shocked. I'm sure they don't quite know what just hit them, but to hear them kind of poised in their understanding of how to how to work their way through it is is probably a really good sign.
0: We're talking with Matt Tate of the Lawrence Journal World here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Uh, the last time KU lost three straight in a season was just a couple years ago, the 2020-21 season, and that team obviously didn't have a uh, memorable finish. The team that got bounced by a lot of points to USC in the second round. Uh, you also have the 2012-2013 team. That, that team still got a one seed. Uh, they made the Sweet 16, probably should have gone further. Um, but which of those past two stories do you think maybe more echoes what you would expect from this team?
1: I would expect them to be just fine. Um, you know, does that mean they're going to win the Big 12? I don't know. Uh, I, I know you're a big fan of the uh, the ten Palm projections right now, you know, projecting out four- and five-way ties for first with 11-and-seven records <laughs> and all of that. and um, yeah, why not? That looks very possible. Um, now having said that, it's a little bit disrespectful to, to K state and Iowa state and Texas to say that because they're sitting, sitting pretty right now, but they also have a heck of a lot of tough games on their schedule coming up. And, uh, as, as does everybody, it's not easy. It's never, there's no nights off all that stuff. So, um, you know, I, I think that this team probably will be okay, um, you know, do do they get more from their bench? Maybe, maybe not. Um, can their starters figure it out? Yeah, I think they can. I think they can, with the help of the coaching staff. I think they can find new ways to play and new wrinkles, and and just you know a little bit of that get that confidence back, and that'll that'll help a lot. Um, but I, I was actually talking about this with someone earlier today, um, and this really goes for for pretty much every team in the conference, not just Kansas, but you they just have to get to the end man you know and if they don't win the big 12 they don't win the big 12 if they're the three seed in the big 12 tournament so be it if there's the, a three or a four seed in the big or in the in the ncaa tournament so be it you know it, it i don't think it's uh i don't think it's the scariest thing in the world to, to look down the road and and see that because when you get to March, you are not going to be playing teams like this every night. You're just not. And if you're a three or a four seed, you know, you're playing a, a 13 or a 14. Um, and, and then, you know, and then you play a two or a five or something like that and in the second round. And, and the twos and the fives are, are not necessarily big club teams. Maybe the twos, you know, that's that. that that could be that could still be a pretty tough team, but but if you're a four and you're playing a five in round two, who's the five? UConn, The UConn's not in the Big Twelve, They're, you know. So um, and then and then furthermore, you know, you, you get to that point and you're playing a, a one seed. Well, you know, Purdue's pretty darn good. Uh, Alabama's pretty darn good. Um, who's the other one right now? Houston pretty darn good, right? Like those are, those are good teams of course, but I think all of these big 12 teams, if they can stay standing and if they can just get to the end and, and be whole, uh, I think they all have a real chance to make a real run because they will have played so many, you know, quote unquote tournament games, quote unquote, you know, high pressure elimination type games. All season long, for the last couple of months, that that by the time they get to March, yeah, the stakes are higher, and and you know there's some style things that that you may run into when you're a, a high seed playing a low seed that's got nothing to lose and all that stuff. But um, from a from a talent standpoint, from a from a just physicality and just grinding matchup type of standpoint, I. I think these guys, you know, battle-tested is the word, right? But, but I, I think, I think that really plays this year. And so, I, whether Kansas wins the Big Twelve or not, um, it's it's far too early to be like, well, the season's shot, it's over. This is this is it. You know, I, I, I think they could finish it with exactly that—an eleven and seven type of record in in Big Twelve play. Wherever that lands, if that's first, second, third, fifth, whatever it is and still have the kind of confidence and the kind of team heading into the tournament to feel like they can make a run. So we'll see, you know, again, part of that's the mental thing, as I mentioned earlier, and, and so much of that is going to be after another month or six weeks of this sort of mental wear and tear. Are, are they, are they still standing? Are they able to, to survive that? Or are they just, so frazzled and, and just shot mentally that that it doesn't even matter so that's the big question about that but if they can get through it and they can keep heads up and and keep grinding and and you know move forward with some of that toughness um that, that obviously is a big part of what Bill Self preaches uh I, I think by the time that the the real season rolls around They could end up being just fine, but, but they got to figure it out. They got to win a game. They got to, they got to feel good about themselves again for a day. And, and this, you know, a few days off before they go down to Kentucky will, will help them. I'm sure Grady Dick feels much better after, after last night than he had coming into that game and and that baby step and a small step forward. And, and uh, you know, now they see what they can put together and see what kind of wrinkles they can throw at Kentucky and you go down there and win that game, you come back uh, you, you you come back to play K State. Um, feeling good and and you get your rival at home and you owe him one and and that game will be big time. I mean, you know, it, some teams would have to lose, but it's it's entirely possible, especially if K State can win at Iowa State. It's entirely possible that, that K State can come into Allen Fieldhouse as the number one team in the country. Um, wow, what would that be? You know, that, that would be crazy. And, uh, and then if KU wins that game, that's even crazier, right? So, um, a lot of ball to play, um, a lot of things still to be decided and settled and, and factored in. And, and, uh, I don't think it's at all time to panic. And, and I don't think you get that, or at least I don't, I don't think you get that sense from, from self or from this team. I, I think they understand exactly where they are and what they need to do.
0: He is Matt Tate. You can check out all his work and coverage, KUSports.com and in the Lawrence Journal world. Matt, appreciate the time as always, man.
1: All right, man. Thank you, and uh, good luck to you, man. Hit some tea, some lemon, some honey, whatever is going to help you out there. Are you feeling fine? You're not not, – it's
0: just a voice thing? Yep, just a voice thing. A little – starting to get a little stuffed up today, so hopefully it's nothing more. You don't have any tips for him, Matt? Nothing? nothing? (laughs) Well, I just threw out a bunch of, like,
1: old wives' tales (laughs) and tips, so – you can tell well, that I'm a cliche. If monster. I lay Luckily, upside I
0: down and like count that, backwards but... from 15. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe I would be scared.
3: If, Maybe just, if, I'll if, just jump scare you. If
1: I, if I think of something better than what I, the lame stuff I gave you, I'll, I'll let you know. But uh, I'll tell you what. Go get a... Uh, uh, this this is a mental thing for me. But you know those drinks, the, the buys B.A.I.? Uh-huh. They're like uh-huh. antioxidant drinks. They're pretty tasty. Um, I always when I used to kind of feel like, ah, oh, I was getting sick, oh, I better go get this antioxidant drink, whatever, right, buzzword? Mentally, it always worked for me. So maybe go pick one up. Okay. There's a lot of good flavors, you know. Uh, see, see if you find one you like and see if that fixes you up.
0: There we go. Once again, Matt Tate, Lawrence General World, KSports.com. KS Talk to you next week.
1: All right. Thanks, guys. Take uh,
0: care. That is Matt Tate with Nick Springer, Derek Johnson. One hour down, two to go. This is RCST. <laughs> Kevin Flaherty is going to join the show in less than 20 minutes from right now. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Do- Johnson. If you're looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering, Venue 1235, a large climate controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and a covered patio located right off I 70, five minutes from downtown Lawrence, has you covered. Big 12 breakdown. Um, we got three games tonight. Baylor KU was the only game last night. I want to go back to something, though, from Saturday. TCU blows out Kansas in Allen Fieldhouse. And it got me thinking because Kansas um, was not really in the game. The previous Saturday, TCU beats Kansas State, and that's K-State's only Big 12 loss, by 14. Yep. Is TCU's A-plus game the best of any team in the Big 12? Like, if every team plays their A-plus game, is TCU coming out on top? Uh, I, I don't
3: know. I think if TCU and Baylor played each other, and they're both playing their A+ plus games. I think Baylor maybe wins. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, listen, Baylor obviously has excellent excellent guard
0: play. I think Baylor has the ability to go, you know, 15 of 30 from 3.
3: Yeah, they have they have they have really 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 strong guard play. And so if if you got two or three of those guys that are really really on for all 40 minutes of a game, I don't know how you stop that. What would you and do? If T- I- and TCU, obviously, like we saw against Kansas, TCU's A plus game means that they are thriving off of transition and turnovers. And if Baylor is one of the top teams in the conference at not turning the ball over, I think that would take away a little bit from TCU. So, I think I, I think Baylor would probably win. Which then I guess leads to the next question of, if Baylor plays their A plus game, are they the best team in the conference?
0: I guess maybe. I don't know. Well, here's the thing. So, Baylor played TCU earlier this year. It was in Waco. Baylor shot 46% from three. They were 11 of 24. They shot 85% at the foul line. They lost. LJ Cryer, Adam Flagler, and Keontae George combined for 53 points. TCU beat them. TCU only went 3 14 from three. So, I don't know. I don't know. I I do think like... But, dude, it's so annoying because... Baylor's home court is, like,
3: half full for every game. (laughs) And it's just to the rafters against Kansas. Like, that's just annoying. I'm just annoyed
0: by that. Yeah. Um, I I think that for me it is TCU. Like, I don't think TCU is the best team in the Big 12 because consistency does matter, and you're not going to have every game as an A-plus game. And when TCU is not having an A-plus game, like, their C games... That's not very good. Like their C game might be worse than KU's C game, but their yes, A plus game definitely. might be better because they have more bench. They have so much athleticism. Like they might have the deepest roster in the Big Twelve, and they have as much firepower up top as anybody. Um, so it, it, their A plus game, I guess most of it devolves around if they're shooting okay. Um, but they can be really good when that's the case.
3: Yeah, because they're not a great three point
0: shooting team no. normally. But when they show when they shoot well, i.e., versus Kansas, they win big. Yeah, so Baylor wins last night, and I guess they're part of the Big Twelve title race now. Yeah, right back in it, for sure. This is—I mean, we were ready to call them dead. We were. We were, we were ready. Zero to three. We were ready to say that Baylor was dead. And now, if, if Iowa State beats K State tonight, Kansas and Baylor would both be a game back of first place. Correct. So
3: I think if the if you're going to go off the logic of the favorites win, Iowa State wins tonight, and Texas wins tonight against Oklahoma State, you'd have. Texas, Iowa State, and K-State all at 6 and 2, and then Baylor, Kansas, and TCU probably all at 5 and 3. So that's 6 teams within one game of each other at the top half. That's tough. Yeah. But what that tells you is what we, kind of what we alluded to in the open is that Kansas is in is in a really not a bad spot comparatively speaking to some of the other teams in the Big 12. Like it feels it feels like maybe you're on a lot more shaky ground just because of What's been going on recently, but I mean, I'm guessing Baylor fans probably felt pretty bad when they started the conference
0: play over 0 three. There's I mean, no chance they thought
3: they'd be back they, in the title race. They, I'm sure, they were probably but now they are. They were probably feeling pretty dead, and now they're they are basically fine. Yeah, so that's the that's the good news for Kansas. Is is you're in a position here where, yeah, you've lost three straight, but as we heard from Bill Self in his audio, listen, you lose on the road against your arch rival in the only game they care about every year by one point in overtime, then a game where you shot horribly, then you lose to a game, then you lose a game at home against TCU that, like Bill Self said, was TCU was probably beating whatever team stepped onto the court against them that day, regardless of who it was. And then you go up against Baylor, and, and again, I, I think it's frustrating. I think the Baylor game's the most frustrating loss out of the three of these because it felt very, very winnable in the second half, and you just didn't have enough to make that push to try to take it over the top. But even still, like Baylor was the preseason conference favorite, and
0: they've got three excellent, excellent guards. Maybe three of the best guards in the country all on one team. Yeah. See, for me, this one goes back to the K State game, the late game execution. If you execute better, now all of a sudden, every team, I mean, you're still tied for first right now. They'd be six and two, you'd be six and two, right? Or, or five and two, whatever their record would be at that point because they have to play tonight. Um, but yeah, if you compare, like, Baylor's losses to. This uh, like Because they, they lost three in a row. I mean, to Baylor, Baylor lost to
3: TCU at home, too.
0: Yeah. Uh, Baylor lost to Kansas State in overtime. Now, that was in Waco. You lost to K-State in overtime. That was in Manhattan, so that's pretty similar. Um, you lost at home to TCU. They lost at home to TCU. And then you lost at Baylor while they lost at Iowa State. And while you got blown out to TCU, they got blown out by Iowa State. So they're actually very similar in their three losses, and they bounced back okay. Now It doesn't guarantee you're going to bounce back, but Things can happen. Yeah, we, we've seen other KU teams maybe not lose three in a row, but maybe go on a rut. Like I think back to the uh, the 2016 team, 2015-16 team, they lost three straight road games and three of five overall, and then they reeled off and they were sitting at 16 and four, five and three in Big 12 play. Same record this team has. Well, I remember they won we, their final 11 games.
3: Well, I remember we we talked about this earlier. Is, is last year, around this same time, Kansas loses by 25 to Kentucky at home. And right after that game, did you anticipate that that Kansas team was going to run the table for the Big 12 no, title and no, then go on to the not. national championship? No, nope, that probably not. wasn't the mood the day after that game against Kentucky.
0: No, not at all. Um, so,
3: uh, and I, I thought Matt really made some good points when talking about this. Is like, just get to the end, man. Just, just get to the end. Just get to the end, and even you know you're probably going to take a few more hits down the stretch, but just get to the end, feeling pretty good. And you're right. Once you get to the NCAA tournament, you're going to have all these games on your belt that you've played uh, against high-level competition, quad one games, basically. And you're going to roll in, and you're going to play, like, some crap ACC team that went 20-9, and and they're going to be, like, a seven seed or whatever. And that team is not even going to be nearly as prepared as you are going to be for a tournament game and say, you know, the round of 32, or even, like, the Sweet 16.
0: One thing that I was thinking about last night, though, was uh, that I think is a little more worrisome with this, though, is that you could very easily be even worse than five and three. Like think back to how you had oh, to yeah, kind of skate by sure. some of those early wins. But I mean, I think you could look at every single team that's
3: in the top half of the Big Twelve and say they oh you yeah. could easily
0: be whatever. Everybody's do-do-do? good. It's going to be close games. And, and honestly, I mean, now TCU, I'm looking
3: back, TCU with the win or not TCU Baylor excuse me Baylor the win that they just had against Kansas. The game before that, they won by two
0: yeah. against Oklahoma. Barely. Yeah, you have to win close games to win the big two. Well, like, and I'm looking last year, too, out of comparison, because they, that team after the Kentucky loss, it wasn't just the Kentucky loss. It was like they only beat Iowa State by one at home. They only beat Oklahoma on the road by three. They only beat K-State on the road, and that was not a good K-State team by three. They needed double overtime to beat Tech. So like at that point, it was kind of the same thing. It was like they got blown out by Kentucky. The record could easily be worse if some of these go the other way. They ended up being fine. Again, doesn't guarantee everything for this team, but yeah. the path is at least there. I for mean, them to Iowa do that. State
3: has won one by three at Oklahoma, one by two against TCU. You know, Iowa State's maybe the only team that can boast. You know, hey, we've we've actually taken care of business against some teams. They beat Texas Tech by thirty four. They beat Baylor by fifteen. But they also lost to Oklahoma State.
0: So, who knows? So tonight's action: Kansas State, Iowa State. That's the most important game for KU. Uh, and, and really everybody chasing yeah. K-State right now. The most interesting game. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that was going to be a, a good game. You have the Iowa State defense versus the up-and-down K-State side of it. Um, but if K-State wins that game, it's it's trouble for everyone else. Uh, Texas, it's
3: trouble, but I'm not going to be concerned. I'm going to sit up in my seat a little bit,
0: maybe readjust my glasses. What gets me is if, if K-State wins at Iowa State,
3: they will have road wins against every other top team. Except TCU.
0: And, and Kansas. Those would be the... Yeah, and who they self-play. Who they still play right? Yeah. yeah.
3: They've, already, they've already won at Texas. And that would be they've such an won an at for them. They will have won at Iowa State.
0: Yeah. So basically, at that point, they need to either lose home games or lose road games to teams you don't expect.
3: They them. will lose home games, and I think they will lose games that they don't expect them to Okay. Listen, I think as we get later in the season... Oak, like oh, I, I, I feel bad for Oklahoma and Oklahoma State because those two teams have lost a lot of close games in conference play. I think as we get further into conference play, they're going to steal some from some of these top teams. I really do. Which is which? We, if you want to go by that logic, Kansas plays at Oklahoma and at Oklahoma State consecutively.
0: They'll lose one of the two. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: So, but yeah, I I really think that sp- Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, specifically, or even Texas Tech, if they get a little more healthy. I think you're going to see some of these bottom feeder, quote unquote, bottom feeder Big 12 teams as we get more into the grueling grinds of the schedule, because we're about halfway through right now. Once we get into like that, that final, that not the final like quarter, but like the third quarter of the schedule, basically, so to speak, I think you're going to see some of these lower teams maybe steal some wins, steal some more yeah. wins from some of the top. Top
0: teams. Well, right now on DraftKings, you can get Kansas State plus 225. They're now the favorites. is still second. They're plus 290. Texas and Baylor third at plus 500. Interesting, Iowa State's plus 550. I'll be interested to see how that adjusts if Iowa State does win tonight. Uh, but by the way, on DraftKings, you can get a profit boost on the Kansas State-Iowa State game. You can get a 50% profit boost on TCU and Texas' Moneyline Parlay. Huh. So check that out with code KLWN. Which game interests you more, Texas-Oklahoma State or TCU-Oklahoma? Probably Texas-Oklahoma State.
3: I mean, Eddie Lampkin out for TCU. Yeah, maybe TCU-Oklahoma. I mean, listen, the Oklahoma State-Texas game is on Longhorn Network, which... So
0: So nobody will be watching. So
3: I guess just Oklahoma-TCU just by the standpoint of, I can actually watch that game if I wanted to.
0: There we go. He's Nick Springer. (laughs) I'm Derek Johnson. Kevin Flaherty, 24-7 Sports, joins us next. Welcome back in. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I am Derek Johnson, and joined now by Kevin Flaherty of 24 7 Sports, CBS Sports. Talk a little KU Big 12 basketball with us. Um, so at this point in time, we, we have three games coming in the Big 12 tonight. Obviously, a very big one with Kansas State and Iowa State near the top, but uh, a lot of teams muddled together, still with a shot at, at sticking around there. Probably about six teams with TCU. Baylor, Kansas, Texas, and then Iowa State and K-State with three losses or less at the moment uh, that, I guess, have a shot. Uh, What do you think is, is the realistic number of wins that get it done? Because it seems like typical years, like 14, maybe 13, and we've toyed around with the idea of maybe less this year. I still push back a little because it seems like we've done this before in past years where the big 12 is tough. And then it ends up being like last year, it was really tough too. And 14 got a share of it with Kansas and Baylor. Um, But I don't know, maybe this year is even different. What do you think is that number that gets it done this year?
2: Yeah, I think it's probably somewhere around 13, you know, it kind of cracks me up, obviously, you know, you guys, Pay attention to Ken Palm as I do, and I think Ken Palm has approximately thirty-seven Big Twelve teams finishing <laughs> eleven and seven atop the conference. So, just kind of the way that it's gone at this point. But no, I think you're going to see some teams, I believe, finish the first half of the conference schedule. Uh, with three losses within the conference and, and going six and three over those first nine games. And I don't really think it's a huge stretch to suggest that one of those teams could then go seven and two over the back half of the schedule and, and wind up at 13 and five. Could somebody go eight and one and, and get there 14 and four? Sure. But I, I think from what we've seen from the conference so far, uh, the likelihood of that happening maybe isn't uh, isn't super high so i would say 13 feels like kind of the right number i would be a bit surprised if it fell as far as 12
0: so if 13's the answer kansas is sitting at 5 and 3 right now that means they'd have to go 8 and 2 the rest of the way which you know allen fieldhouse is, has not been a, a sanctuary yet i mean they they've won a majority of the games but Got blown out by TCU. A couple games they very easily could have lost for KU, and then obviously every road Big Twelve game feels like it's very losable. Do you think that's realistic that Kansas could could get to thirteen this year?
2: Yeah, I think so. It, it's kind of funny, you know. I, I'm sure you know all of us have seen some level of sky is falling discourse at, at this point, and you know you look at the calendar, and it's about the right time for it. <laughs> um,
1: but uh,
2: but no, I mean Kansas has three straight Big Twelve losses. And yet here's the thing that really kind of puts it into perspective for me. If Kansas State loses to Iowa State tonight, then it will have two losses and and Iowa State is favored in that game. I know Caleb Grill has been questionable, which, which could impact that game a little bit, but K State loses to Iowa State and then you have Texas with two losses. You have Kansas State with two losses. Iowa State with two losses. Texas has to play Baylor next Monday. Kansas plays Kansas State next Tuesday. And so I guess all of that is a really long way to say that Kansas could finish the first nine games at six and three and either and would then be either just a game back from first or tied for first. And so it, it just kinda of puts it into perspective where you say, Hey, you know, things have not been going well. The Jayhawks haven't played super well, but at the same time, they're they're right in the thick of it. It's just kind of that kind of year in the Big 12.
0: We're talking with Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. What you kind of said with the, the sky is falling type of stuff, um, I, I don't think we're quite there yet. But if hypothetically, because you look at the, the upcoming schedule, I think that certainly... <clears throat> Adds panic there um, at Kentucky, K State at home at Iowa State. Hypothetically, let's say Kansas lost all three, and at that point, it'd be six straight losses. It's 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 very hard to imagine, but hypothetically, what do you think people would be saying about this team?
2: I think that at that point, you'd be just looking for some sort of fix, and I I think you know it's almost staggering how often Bill Self has been able to find that fix, right? Like they haven't lost six games in a row under Bill Self before. And so I think that would put this team kind of on on its own ledge, if you will. But at the same time, you know, you look at that 21-21 20, team and, and look at what people were saying about that team after their struggles and especially defensively. I mean, they were very poor defensively for a significant portion of that job and or for that year. And Bill Self just basically says, well, wait a minute, let's let's put David McCormick in, in drop coverage, you know, have him stand here instead of, you know, one or two feet this way. And Kansas has a top 10 defense in the country down the stretch. And so I, I think to some of us who have seen not necessarily that specific movie play out, but have seen some version of that play out where you're looking at it, and you're saying, man, this this just isn't a very good Kansas team. Uh, I think there's still that feeling in the back of your mind where you, you feel like, well, Bill Self will will find that shift. He'll find a way to get the most out of the defense. He'll find a way to squeeze that little bit more out of the offense. The bench player will magically emerge or, or whatever else. And I think that's a testament to Bill Self as much as anything that you know, we're sitting here talking about this as as though he's already found the answer. You know, that that, that the answer is definitely coming. And I think that that's the difference between what he's done at Kansas and even what some other elite coaches have done. You know, there are times when Mike Krzyzewski didn't have the answer. There are times when Roy Williams didn't have the answer. And you just went through and their team struggled and I think even if Kansas loses six, six games and the narrative would become harsher at that point than it is even at this point, I still think that there's that feeling where it's like, well, okay, it's it's just a matter of time before Self gets this team turned.
3: Baylor lost three straight conference games to start conference play, and now they're pretty much right back in the hunt. You've kind of alluded to it, but, I mean, you think Kansas obviously can bounce back? Or, and I guess... Furthermore, like, is it that crazy to think that some of these other top teams could also go on two, three-game skids, maybe?
2: No, I don't think it's, I don't think that's crazy at all. And you think about, you know, Kansas State, we just talked about, within the Big 12, you go at Iowa State tonight, and then you go at Kansas in your next Big 12 game. And so when you, I, I don't know that they'll lose to Florida, Florida's been very hit or miss this year, but. You know, you're looking at them possibly having a two-game skid in there with, with road trips to two of the league's other top teams. Texas hasn't played Baylor or Kansas yet. They've got, you know, four games against those schools still yet to come. And, and so you look across the conference, and just about everybody has one of those stretches where you're pointing to it and you're saying this stretch will will tell the tale. And so I do think that it's, that there are other instances where we're going to look at teams and say, man, that's, that's a pretty solid team that's, that's having some rough luck right now. And I think the flip side of that is you're going to see some teams maybe at the bottom of the conference where you're saying, man, like West Virginia is not playing that bad. Oklahoma is not playing that bad, but they're losing these one or two possession games. And that could be what keeps them out of the NCAA tournament. And so I, I do think that it, it's it's a conference that's set up this year where anybody can lose multiple games in a row. And once you lose a couple in a row, you know that third one's right there. The fourth one's right there. So yeah, I don't think we've seen the end of these uh, the end of these sort of rough streaks going through conference play this year.
3: Last week, Derek and I. Hypothesized that Houston would be the number one team in the country for the rest of the season, and then immediately they <laughs> lost to Temple at home. What what's kind of your read, I guess, on the top ten teams in the country? Is there is it everybody is it everybody's not that good? I mean, what's what's kind of how do you view all that right now?
2: Yeah, I think you know Alabama is probably the best team. I feel like you know from watching them, and even they're vulnerable. I mean, they. If you want to play, you know, comparison game, they lost by 10 to a Gonzaga team that, you know, lost to Loyola Marymount the other day. And so it's it, it really is one of those things, though, where I don't think you have, you know, a couple years ago, you had that Gonzaga team and that Baylor team where it was just like, okay, these these two teams are sort of head and shoulders above everybody else in college basketball. And I don't know that you have that this year. I, I think that even Alabama is saying that I believe they're probably the number one team in the country right now. Even after the Temple loss, I, I like Houston. Houston just sometimes seems to forget that, hey, in basketball games, it's important to put the ball in the basket. You know, that's that's kind of a, a primary tenet of what you're doing. Uh, but I, I feel like the top teams this year are maybe the equivalent of, you know, you would say a top five team or, or maybe even lower part of the top 10. by that, I mean, you know, six, seven, eight in a year where maybe teams are are a little bit better. And so I don't think that there's a great team. I don't think that we're going to look back years from now and just say, my gosh, this this team from 2022, 2023, you know, really, really spun our heads and it is one of those years that sets up for the NCAA tournament well in that the team that wins is not necessarily going to be the team that's the best in college basketball, but it really is going to be the team that plays its best basketball for you know, the those six games in March and April.
0: Is there any of those teams that you have an eye on right now that maybe fit that ilk of, of not being one of those top 10 teams or maybe not even a top 20 team that – you think could catch some fire, or you do think um, could be interesting come March?
2: You know, it's it's really weird. Illinois has been up and down, and so you look at teams like that where you say, well, what happens if they're up? Um, I I think another one that's that's kind of interesting is, is Arkansas because Arkansas has been playing without Trevon Brazil all year pretty much, and he'll be done for the year. But they've also been playing without Nick Smith, who – You know, is their best NBA prospect, was the number one rated freshman coming into the season. And so that's a a team that you kind of circle where, hey, if Nick Smith comes back, they're already really athletic. If he provides them that scoring pop that they need, maybe they jump into that conversation a little bit. And then within the Big 12, I think the team with the highest ceiling is maybe TCU. Because when TCU is making shots, TCU is the best team in the country. Like, let's let's not get it twisted here. TCU does everything else really, really well. They defend. They're physical. They get out and run. They can do a lot of different things. The only problem there is you don't hit outside shots. And and when TCU does hit outside shots, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe they've hit them two out of the last four games obviously against Kansas but I believe there was another big 12 game where where they hit like seven or 15 so they're not a team that's gonna come in and collapse you by hitting 15 threes but if they shoot it well enough like that you know where they're shooting at a high percentage at a lower clip I'm not sure that there are a lot of teams that can match that teams ceiling with with how tough they play obviously they they beat Kansas uh, pretty solidly at Allen Fieldhouse. They kind of ground K-State into dust when they played Kansas State as well with with their athleticism and physicality. And so when you're looking at the Big 12 and saying, hey, this is a team that, that maybe I would circle as, as possibly having a, the chance to catch fire and do something in the NCAA tournament, TCU can win games where it doesn't make shots because that's kind of its default position. And so if it does make shots, that makes TCU that much more dangerous. Baylor, I know a lot of people point to you know, that offense, but we haven't ever seen a team with a defense as bad as Baylor's is win a national title. And so I, I kind of disqualify Baylor based on that defense. And, and honestly, I, I think some of it's personnel-based and things like that, so I don't know how much better that defense is is going to get over the course of the season to where I could honestly buy into them as, hey, this is a team that's that's going to win six games in March.
0: Uh, that, I think that's really interesting because me and Nick were actually having a conversation before you came on. We said, if, if every team is playing their A-plus game in the Big 12, who do you think is the best? And my answer was TCU for kind of yep. that reason. So yep. I, I thought that was interesting. Now, when you look at the separation of those top six teams in the Big 12 who are probably in it, for maybe the long haul. The bottom fourth, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, West Virginia, Texas Tech. Which of those four teams that might not win the conference, but do you think will have the biggest hand in maybe somebody not winning the conference because they're gonna be the team that's picking off a lot of those top teams?
2: You no, know, that that's a tough one because I feel like West Virginia is the team that's capable of showing up to a level where they can knock off a top team. Uh, I think Oklahoma, you know, is solid and they're solid on a night in, night out basis, but they don't they don't necessarily have the fastball, so to speak, where they come in and you're just overwhelmed by Oklahoma. The other thing there is you look at winning, you know, winning on the road and you know, I, I'm not trying to insult anybody, but I mean it's been a pretty big talking point this year that fans haven't been turning up to Lloyd Noble. And so when you when you look at that and you look at oh my gosh we're going on the road and this is a place it's going to be tough to win, I think West Virginia is a team that's very capable of kind of having its fastball that night. You're going to Morgantown, maybe you've got you know a game against the top ten team coming up. West Virginia is is kind of that ideal trap opponent. Oklahoma State when it hits shots sure, but that's that's another team that's really good defensively not so great offensively, and so even when Oklahoma State is playing well, like you saw in the first half of that game at Allen Fieldhouse, I feel like Oklahoma State's lack of offense means you can kind of pull the Cowboys back to you and, and win that game. So, I would probably go with West Virginia.
0: Well, tonight, K-State, Iowa State, how do you kind of see that one going? I know what you said with Caleb Grill possibly being out. Uh, I don't know how view, how view how big you view that possibly to Determining the game, uh, what do you kind of view as being the biggest matchups, or, or what will determine who comes out on top?
2: Yeah, I think I think grill is really important because it seems like when Iowa State has gotten the offensive pop, because the defense is elite. Like let's let, let's not kid ourselves there. The defense is terrific, and it shows up every night. And I think Kansas State is going to have some issues there, kind of like they did with TCU's physicality and the different things there. I think the question is going to be, with the pace that K-State plays at, with the offensive guys that K-State plays at, this isn't a game I don't think that's going to be settled 65-63. to Even Even if they do go ahead and slow down Kansas State, slowing down Kansas State means Kansas State's probably going to score 70 or 72 points. And I think that when you look at Caleb Grill and his role for that team, if he makes a few shots, then Iowa State's capable of winning that seventy-five to seventy game, seventy-five to seventy-two type game. If he can't go, then I think that it, it is a major deciding factor where maybe you're looking at, hey, Iowa State limits Case State to sixty-eight points, but they couldn't get to seventy until Iowa State loses sixty-eight to sixty-five. So. Caleb Grill's health is going to be a really big factor there. Obviously, Gabe Kausher is playing, you know, really, really well. And I'm interested to see him against uh, against Keontae Johnson because I'm sure that matchup is going to occur at different points tonight. But uh, but I think Caleb Grill and, and how well he plays is going to be something to watch for sure.
0: He is Kevin Flaherty. You can check out all his work, 24-7 Sports, CBS Sports. You can find him on Twitter, at KFlaherty. Uh, Kevin? I appreciate the time, as always.
1: All right. Thanks a lot, guys.
0: All right. That's Kevin Flaherty. It's at KFlaherty 24-7. I I think I messed that up. Anyway, at KFlaherty (laughs) 24-7. Check out Kevin's work, because he always does wonderful work. Uh, With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Two hours down, one to go. We'll be back after this time. Five o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. We have our uh, KU mailbag coming up later in the week. Already some good questions in. You can hit us up. Send us questions yep. at Nick Springer twenty nine. Please at D Johnson Radio at RCST thirteen twenty.
3: Literally anything. Mm-hmm. Questions about I don't know, just the craziest stuff you can think of. Yeah. The whatever you can think of,
0: fire away. So yeah, like, what do happened
3: that. to Derek's voice?
0: Oh, I mean, there's there's no fun story. I don't know. I just lost it. If I knew how I lost it, okay. I would not do the Bad thing example. that made me lose it. But Bad example of a KU Milbag question.
3: Get more <laughs> creative than that. Yes. But yes, please please, please ask questions.
0: So we'll share some uh, KU player audio coming up in a bit here. Um, Kansas State, Iowa State, we talked a little about the Big 12 whip around, talked a little with Kevin Flaherty. It almost feels like to me if Iowa State wins this game, you kind of have new life. You're back. Is that point you're like, oh, you're, we're only one game back? You're back. Absolutely. Because something that Kevin talked about is,
3: so K-State's at Iowa State tonight. Their next Big 12 game at Kansas. So if you're Kansas and K-State lose tonight, you have a chance to get even, literally, metaphorically, and physically, all at once at field Fieldhouse. Even up in the standings, even up the score of the season, and just beat the snot out
0: of them just because. With them at least. But then that would mean to – because this is what I was talking about yesterday. It's not just about – catching first. It's about catching like there's so many teams that you have to worry yeah, about. Because if, if Iowa State beats K-State, then they win at Texas Tech. Listen. And then they beat I Kansas still think, in Ames. I still think you're
3: in a position if you're Kansas where you just got to put the blinders on and just play who's in front of you. I think you're still in that situation. I don't I don't think, and, and honestly, I, I suspect that those the players and Bill Self and the coaching staff, they probably don't even know what's happening around them. They're they're probably they're probably pretty focused, or at least that's how I would think I would be. I think you're still in a situation where you just put the blinders on, put the horse blinders on, and you just straight ahead, straight forward. Whoever you're playing next, go get him. Whoever you're playing next, go get him. Whoever you're playing, I don't I don't think you're at a point now where you need to be scoreboard watching at all. Now, in two weeks, if you're six and four in conference, or if you're five and five in conference. After your next three games against Iowa State, K State, and Texas, I guess actually it'd be like, that's 11 games. God, I suck at math. Okay. If you're six and five, if you're five and six or whatever, maybe then.
0: I'll be honest. If you're five and six or six and five, no need to scoreboard watch because you ain't winning the Big 12. You think you're done? You think Probably. You're cooked? No, I, I, I talked to you about this in the break. I, I didn't remember this happened Like, 2018, uh, Devontae Graham's Fima Kyle Luke season. That team won the Big 12 at 13 and five. But I didn't remember this part. Nine of the 10 teams in the Big 12 went eight and ten or better in Big 12 play. You had Kansas at 13 and five, Texas Tech and West Virginia at 11 and seven, Kansas State at 10 and eight, TCU at nine and nine, and then Baylor, Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State at eight and ten. Then Iowa State was just bad at four and 14. I wonder if that's just what this is going to look like. The winner goes 13 and 5. You have like your <laughs> Texas Tech who wins the four games, maybe less, honestly. Yeah. And then you have a couple 11 and 7, 10 win team, then a bunch of eight, eight win teams. Could be.
3: Could but be. If that is I mean, the case. I mean, yeah, you're right. Texas Tech might win like
0: yeah. two or three games. But if that is the case, if it is like 2018, 13 wins got it done to win the Big 12. But hypothetically, Kansas could have got it done with 12, assuming that... It wasn't to... Assuming they hadn't lost to... To one of the 11-win teams. Yeah. But I guess at that point, you're still sharing it with 12. Yeah. That's so true. I guess hypothetically, if they would have lost, you know, twice to Iowa State, then they would have shared it at 11-7. and seven. Yeah,
3: and listen, all I'm saying is, and I do think this is true, West Virginia is 1-6 and six in the conference. I do think they're going to end up getting 4, 5, 6, 7 wins here over this that stretch of 10 games. I really, I really do think that. I think they're a pretty good team. I think they could catch some guys sleeping. I think they, I think they're the team, kind of like Kevin was alluding to when we talked to him. I think they're the team that could potentially steal a few away from some of these upper-level teams. I mean, like a, like for instance, uh, a K State or a Baylor going to Morgantown, mm-hmm. L. That's very possible. I think.
0: Yeah, I I still kind of sit the thirteen gets well, it done, but I think maybe Baylor, twelve. I think Baylor uh.
3: already won at at West Virginia, actually. So maybe maybe not Baylor. Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know. Should should we be even focusing on this? Like at this point, with, I mean, with how much it definitely matters. No, I know it does. I, I'm not saying like not to focus at all. I just like from the standpoint of your scoreboard watching and talking about all these hypotheticals. Kansas is just struggling right now, and if they don't start playing better, none of this matters. None of this conversation about, is this team going to lose here? Is this team going to lose here? None of it matters, because at that point, if you keep struggling, you're not going to win enough games to be in the conversation anyway. So, like, should we almost put this on the back burner for now and just be like, well, let's see if Kansas can actually win a couple games here as opposed to keep losing? Before we talk about this. I don't know. I mean... In the
3: microscopic form, in the microscopic sense, yes, that's where we already are. Lost three in a row. Can Kansas figure out how to win a game? But uh, you're still in a position where, big picture, that's still the end goal. And it's not like the it's not like that end goal just just changes because you're not that good, right? I mean, Texas Tech's goal was to win the Big Twelve when they started conference play. Now, the goal doesn't change. It's still there, even if you suck. I mean, that's just how it
0: goes. Well, you know what I think this is going to come down to? I mean, besides the the upcoming with K-State at home, you have to win that and then between at Iowa State and home against Texas, you got to split there. I think this might come down to Kansas probably going to have to win one of the these two road games. At TCU on February 20th and at Texas on March 4th in their finale.
3: Yes. I think If you don't win at Iowa State, yes.
0: Definitely. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Maybe win one of those three. But also,
3: but you might need to win two of those three.
0: You have to win out at home. And and how confident are you? Can they're going to win out at home?
3: Uh, I'm, uh, I'm pretty confident.
0: I they're think. zero and four against the spread at home. They are three and one, but they easily could have lost.
3: I mean, okay. So here's their next. Here's their here's their remaining games at home: K State, Texas, Baylor, West Virginia, and Texas Tech. So, West Virginia-Texas Tech, at the end of the year. You should be able to win those, too. You should win those. Yeah. Baylor at home, you could probably win.
0: Probably, but not a guarantee there.
3: I think the K-State game at home is maybe the most difficult because just given the context of where it's coming. It's coming up, and you're on a three-game skid right now. If you lose at Kentucky, the... And then Texas, I don't know. I feel like Texas is kind of, at least from my perspective...
0: I feel like they're kind of flying
3: under the radar. You
0: think that's true? Yeah, I think so. They've been really good. Um, two years ago, they blew you out in Allen Fieldhouse, too. Last year, you barely beat them in overtime. I don't, I don't so. think they're
3: getting talked about it really that much.
0: No, they're 16-3, and 5-2 and two in conference play. Like, It's a really good team.
3: But listen, if you get through Kansas State and Texas with wins at home, <laughs> you just got to beat Baylor and then West Virginia and Texas Tech. Easy. Come on. Give me a break. No, I'm not concerned. Listen, I Again, I go back to it. The Baylor game was frustrating because it was just very winnable on the road. Baylor's defense is bad. Their offense is it's good because they have good guards, but they don't they don't do anything. Like we were talking before the show, I mean, in the second half Baylor's offense was like an NBA offense. It was switch around until you got a favorable matchup and then iso. That was their offense in the second half. Plus, uh, plus, they got a bunch of offensive rebounds. If Kansas rebounds the ball better, they probably easily win. I mean, Baylor shot 28% in the second half of that game. 28%. But they got bailed out by a bunch of offensive rebounds. So, I, I'm pretty confident that Kansas will will have Baylor at home, and I think they'll take care of business pretty easily. Yeah. So, I think look it at K-State, just because of the context of where it's coming at. And obviously, K-State's going to be Super jacked up for it because they're going to be a top five team probably when they come in, and they're going to be oh, we we beat you guys in Manhattan. So that's going to be tough.
0: You know, I'm looking at, at KU stats and Big 12 only play. They're sixth in offense, seventh in defense. So this is not like a team where oh, well, they're still third in this and third in like. Kind of shows how they've been struggling. Um, and there's not really like one thing they've done. At an elite level. Like they are. They're only. They're not top two in anything. The things they're third in. Are three point percentage. Avoiding non-steal turnovers. Two point defense. And that's it. Everything else. They're like fourth, fifth, sixth, eighth.
3: I, I think they'll be fine. Maybe. But it does kind of go back to, uh, well, sort of. It goes back to the discussion of, like, you see some of these other Big 12 teams that are really elite at one thing. And I, I go back to, like, right before we started conference play with, like, the Missouri game and some of those in Indiana, it was like, oh, this Kansas team, while they're not elite or, like, top five at trades. anything, they're they're pretty good at a lot of things, which, which I think at the time we thought would be, Pan out to, you can hang around and win a lot of games if you're if you can neutralize whatever your opponent does, whatever your opponent is, quote unquote, elite at. Well, that hasn't really been the case. Baylor was elite at offense rebounds. You didn't neutralize that at all. TCU was elite at transition points. You definitely didn't neutralize that. And then K State, I don't know. K State's just K State. I'm, I'm not gonna give K State. I'm not gonna give K State any credit for anything. I don't care about them.
0: Hmm.
3: So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe being, like, pretty good at a lot of stuff is just
0: not the way to do it. Not the way you should go. Well, I'm trying to think. Like, last year, they were elite at transition offense. Like, elite, elite, elite at transition offense. Maybe the best team in the country. I forgot about this. Last year, they were 40th in the country in offensive rebound rate. That's kind of surprising. This team's 112th.
3: Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, Dave.
0: I know, but like... And Mitch. For all of KJ's faults as a defensive rebounder, he's been a pretty good offensive rebounder.
3: I don't know. The bottom line is, everything's fine. Everything's never been more fine. We're
0: good. We good? We are good. Mm. You don't think so? You'd like somebody on the bench to emerge. You'd like one of the freshmen to emerge, besides Grady Dick. You'd like Dewan Harris to kind of get off this rut that he's in. And you'd like KJ Adams to get it going again. By the way, we didn't talk about this earlier. What's that? KU had a couple uh, stretches, small small periods of times that they ran Jalen Wilson as a small ball five last game. I wonder if that's something they're going to lean into more. I mean, Jalen's with a better like, defensive rebounder.
3: With like MJ, Joe, Bobby, Dewan as your If KJ four.
0: keeps struggling, or I, guess I guess why not? I don't know.
3: Mj Joe Kevin DeWan.
0: I am surprised it took till that point in the season for him to play that, but we saw it a lot with Jalen Wilson's like redshirt freshman year. It worked out okay. Well, they have not to, to do
3: it to start conference play because KJ was playing at a high yeah.
0: level. And because they in non-con play were trying out all the different centers. Yeah, but who the guy at the center position? To, you,
3: they just, you just, this team just needs a soft reboot. So we'll turn it off, turn it back on. Unplug, plug back in. Yeah. Everything's fine.
0: Bill Self, have you tried that? Turn it off, turn it on again.
3: Turn it off. Listen, anytime my parents call me with any problem, that's what I tell them. <laughs> have you tried turning it off and turning it back on again?
0: He's Nick Springer. And
3: the next question is is, <laughs> is, is it plugged in? Usually that solves it.
0: Maybe Dewan wasn't plugged in.
3: Maybe not. There we go. Maybe not.
0: I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN.
1: Depend on it.